Like a backstage pass to the world of fly fishing travel, this is Waypoints, the podcast of Destination Angling. News and events, helpful travel tips, destination profiles, great stories, and expert advice from some of the most seasoned and experienced names in fishing travel. Waypoints is brought to you by Yellow Dog Fly Fishing Adventures, the industry's number one specialty travel company for the very best insider knowledge, logistical support, and trip preparation. Freshwater or saltwater, international or domestic, Yellow Dog has you covered for your next fishing adventure. And now, your Waypoints host, Yellow Dog founder and director, Jim Klug. Avid fly fisherman and founder of Patagonia, Yvonne Chouinard, once said that it isn't an adventure until something goes wrong. And while that may be true when it comes to weather, airline delays, and broken rods, the fact is there are numerous things you can do prior to a trip to set yourself up for effective packing, smoother travel, and ultimately success on the water. Of all the questions that we receive on a regular basis at Yellow Dog, the vast majority fall into the categories of what to bring, how to pack, and how to travel problem-free with fishing equipment. And we all know that these days there are so many rules and regulations about what you can carry on versus what you have to check, in addition to weight limits, size restrictions, and more. This can be especially challenging for the typical gear junkie that is always inclined to pack an entire fly shop worth of gear and equipment when hitting the road. We know that luggage regulations and protocols can vary by country and even by airline, and oftentimes the rules are confusing. On top of that, airline personnel and security screeners can interpret and enforce rules on an arbitrary basis, something that can have a huge impact when attempting to carry on gear and equipment. So with that being the case, we're going to dive into the issue of traveling with gear. We're going to talk about the smartest ways to pack fishing equipment and what you can do ahead of your trip to set yourself up for easy, pain-free travel and success once you reach your destination. Joining me today is longtime Seychelles and Alaska guide, world-famous fly designer, and current Seychelles and Africa program director for Yellow Dog, Alec Gerbeck. In his long career in the fly fishing industry, Alec has not only spent a ton of time on the road traveling to and exploring new destinations and fisheries, he's also worked with thousands of traveling anglers, and he's heard just about every travel, packing, and gear-related story that's out there. Alec, welcome back to the show. Hey, Jim. Thanks for having me. It's good to be back. Well, this is one that we've needed to do for a long time, and we are going to dive deep into so much good advice that we've picked up over the years. I hope people are are sitting at home with a a fresh notebook and something to write with, because we're going to share a lot of secrets and a lot of inside tips today. That sounds great. Yeah. And, you know, as the years go by, you just continue to learn these things. So the the quest is never over. That's right. Now, you've spent uh, your fair share of time in airports and traveling to distant destinations via plane, train, and automobile, as we say. And I would probably add like boat, donkey, bus, raft, skiff, drift boat, just about every other form of transportation. The list is long. Yeah, for sure. Actually, uh, you know, my mom uh, worked for United Airlines for 32 years. So even as a young one, I was uh, in the airport, standing by, uh, flying all over the place and yeah, lots of travel time and uh, every little trick and tip helps uh, to make things go easier and give you a little bit more peace of mind. 
That's right. And we're going to be talking about that today. Efficient ways to pack and travel. We're going to talk about how to avoid the pitfalls of traveling with large amounts of gear. Because let's face it, anglers love their toys. They love their equipment. And oftentimes they're going to places that are pretty far off the grid. So the rule is you have to bring it with you. Uh, we know that, that oftentimes you can tend to overpack. We're going to talk about that. We're going to share some of our hard-earned lessons and tips from our, our own travels. But we're also going to share what we've picked up from tens of thousands of anglers that we've worked with over the years that we've sent out into the world, info that will no doubt make any destination angler's life perhaps a bit easier. So again, my suggestion to those who are listening uh, is to get out a notebook and prepare to copy. We're going to go from there. Um, what I thought we would do, Alec, because we're going to cover a lot of content today, I thought we'd break this discussion down into some different main categories and then summarize and close out with what I would refer to as our absolute top list of pro tips for traveling and packing. We're going to cover probably in this roughly this order, uh, checked luggage versus carry on luggage, specific suggestions for traveling with flies. That's one we get a lot. Uh, a list of often overlooked items that we always bring on a destination fishing trip. We're going to discuss some airline and flight tips because that's obviously a big, big part of travel. We're going to share some of our favorite travel apps and phone tools that can make life just a little bit easier when you're out on the road. We're going to do some general travel lessons and advice we've picked up over the past several decades. And then again, we're going to close out with our absolute top list of pro tips to live by at the end of the show. So with that, let's jump right into number one, a discussion of checked luggage versus carry-ons. This is a big one. Oh, yes. Uh, inevitably, you're always going to be checking a bag on some of these bigger trips. And um, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really hard to fit all the things you think you quote-unquote need in there. So uh, hopefully we can come away today with some of those ways to make that easier for you. Well, and you just nailed it because there are some things as anglers you have to check. There are, are things like knives, pliers, large hooks, miscellaneous tools. You know, if you're traveling with more than three ounces of sunscreen, goofy stuff like that, that has to go in a check bag. You don't have the, the option of bringing it on board, but it probably is the biggest source of apprehension for anglers. You know, they've, they've put the kit together. They've spent weeks packing, hopefully. Um, they've got it all together and then they hand it to the, the airline person. They watch it disappear, you know, down the bag. And it's like, okay, I've got four <laughs> flights to my final destination. Will it arrive when I do? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I mean, some of these things like rods and reels, you can't even carry on. So you, you have to check them, uh, you know, places like going through Dubai, often you have to check your, uh, your rods and reels and there's no way to back that up. You just got to kind of have to cross your fingers and hope it gets through. But anyway, well, hope, hope it gets there for sure. But we're going to talk a little bit about rods and reels specifically. But let me start with this. Is there a difference in packing when you're going on, say, a saltwater trip versus a freshwater trip? I mean, let's say we've already come to the uh, we've accepted the fact we're going to check a bag. But let's talk about the difference between a saltwater trip and a freshwater trip size a bag, that kind of thing. Yeah, you know, uh, freshwater trips in general, uh, you know, unless you've arranged with the operation that you're going to be fishing on, often you've got to bring uh, waders and boots. And that is quite a cumbersome piece of luggage that takes up quite a bit of space. Um, saltwater, yeah, you know, you tend to bring maybe more rods and uh, yeah, not necessarily as many flies. But, yeah, you're really just kind of down to wading boots, which is quite nicely. Uh, but 
yeah, there, there is quite a bit of difference in maybe the amount of wet equipment you're going to be dealing with on the way home as well. That's a really good point as far as that goes. And depending on your destination, you know, when you have that checked piece of luggage, right, um, you want to think about what kind it is. Yeah, I always think of like, you know, my grandmother with her giant, you know, five foot tall matching rolling hard sided suitcases, not necessarily ideal for destination angling. Oftentimes we recommend to people that you, you think about a soft sided waterproof type duffel, um, maybe with wheels, maybe without, again, kind of depends where you're going, but trying to keep that weight as light as possible. So skip the, the big, heavy, hard shelled bags that have the, the thick frames and the hard sides and the giant wheels on them. Think about weight, but also think about a durability and B whether they're waterproof, because a lot of times in your travels, especially let's say you get to the, the country and then you're getting on a transfer plane and then maybe a boat or whatever it is, there's a good chance your gear is going to be sitting out in the rain. So think about that with the type of luggage you're bringing. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, when I was working up at Enchanted Lake uh, in Bristol Bay, when we'd have new guests in, it was a scramble to say, okay, this guest is going to this cabin or that cabin, and it's Alaska. It's raining. Um, so, you you know, we're hustling, we're tarping, but inevitably it happens, and uh, we're going to have even a few more tips as we talk about uh, essentials in that check bag and maybe where they're located and how they're packed. So. That's right. And also with, with those bigger pieces of luggage, um, and you just nailed it right there, Alaska. I always think of, you know, when you are met by the lodge, everything's loaded onto the float plane and then you're flown into the lodge, right? Think about how those bags have to be packed. That's where a soft sided duffel really comes in. Uh, you know, it's easier to pack into truck beds, water taxis, float planes, sometimes on the side of donkeys or mules. Think about the type of luggage you're bringing when it comes to your check bags. Yeah, and also it just comes down to weight, too. I mean, some of these places, every last ounce counts, and uh, some of those more intricate, hard-sided rollers are quite heavy, empty. So Yeah, they're like 11 pounds before you put anything in them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're a third of the way there. <laughs> well, another thing about your checked luggage, uh, and I want to get back to what you just mentioned about rods, sometimes you need them long enough uh, and large enough to be able to pack your rods or a rod case or rod tube inside of that checked luggage because there are destinations where you just simply can't bring your rods on, on the plane with you. So important to traveling to countries where rods are prohibited on board. You got to do your homework. We'll talk a little bit about that in a second with a list of some of those countries. But think about the type of luggage, the piece that you're going to buy that's your main checked luggage. Um, and that leads us into back into weight, always pack light that is a huge rule of of traveling when possible i am uh, very guilty of the latter um if if i if it's not a, a more intricate trip where i've been planning 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 i often find myself throwing in so many extra things and you know when it comes down to a fishing trip even then so uh, you know definitely have a crack at ca uh, packing your bag first with everything you think you need and then unpack it have a look again what do you really need? What can you lose? So you have room for other things that you might need. So, well, it also, it's good. You, you lay all your stuff out, you pack it in and then you lift that bag. You're like, Holy crap. This thing's like <laughs> 72 pounds. Right. And then do what you just said. You lay everything back out. And I have this rule where it's like, right, I'm going to try to cut everything in half. Sometimes you can't obviously, but oftentimes you can. It's like, do I really need you know, like seven T-shirts and four pairs of shorts. No. You know, ask yourself, does the lodge offer laundry service? Many of them do right now. But you'd be surprised if you go back into, you know, round two after you think you've got everything assembled. Lay it back out. Unpack it. 
take a look at it and say, can I cut things in half? You'd be amazed what you can do without and still have everything you need for a great trip. Yeah, if a lodge has a laundry service, you don't need a new shirt, a new buff, and a new pair of pants every single day on the water. Remember, you're out there fishing, and yeah, maybe style counts a little bit for you, but uh, <laughs> you get that stuff clean when you're on site, and uh, you'll have uh, plenty more space. Yeah, unless you're going for like best-dressed angler for the week <laughs> or something. But, you know, what, one thing I do is uh, if the lodge has laundry service, utilize it. If they don't, I'll get off the flats. Let's say if it's hot and you're, you know, you're nasty and you got sunscreen and sweat and sand all over you. I will go back to the cabin or wherever I'm staying uh, and I'll jump in the shower with my clothes <laughs> and I'll wash myself, wash the clothes, then take them out, hang them up, and they're ready for the next day or the day after that. And you can really, you know, using that method, get by with like two of everything rather than four or five of everything. Keep it light. For sure. That's a good tip. So another good tip, roll your clothes when packing. Uh, that sounds goofy. It sounds like something, you know, your mom would tell you before you went off to summer camp. But if you just jam everything in there, bunch it up, it doesn't really pack right. When you roll your clothes, uh, you can also use them to protect fragile items, tackle, things like that, liquids. You can use it as kind of a cube system, but you can fit a lot more into that bag as well. And honestly, it just it gives you more visibility of what's in your bag. When you fold and stack, it's you're inevitably you're going to have to get into that check bag on your way to, or, you know, before you've completely unpacked it. It's just nice to be able to get a, a survey of what you need to grab quickly. It's organized. Um, great system I've been using for a long time. And you're kind of a fan of like using packing cubes or, or even like big ziplocs within your packed luggage so you're kind of compartmentalizing things so even further yeah especially multi-leg trips where i might have to claim my check bag and get in it i i hate by the end of my trip showing up and it just looks like a bomb has exploded so i'm using yeah uh, transparent bags uh, i might even label them if they're not transparent but uh yeah just to keep things organized and simple uh less digging around last minute to find things well, another thing is uh, weigh your bag before you go to the airport. Pretty easy to do. A lot of people have a bathroom scale. They they sell those like handheld hooks that you lift your bag up, you know, keep it at the 40 or 50 pounds or whatever the airline regs are or the, the regulations of the destination to which you're headed. But listen, don't be that person at the airport who's like standing at the counter. People are back to you're unpacking. Everything's laid out on the floor of the terminal and you're trying to jam more things into your carry on. That's that's such a rookie move. Absolutely. And yeah. <laughs> Just uh, the less stress, the better once you're in transit, uh, being organized, being set, just so you're not having last minute things like that pop up. And, you know, in some situations, like in the Seychelles, for example, you don't have an option of necessarily repacking a bag or redistributing or paying more money for a heavy bag. Make sure that you are that right weight so you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, it's not just a fee. It's like you just simply cannot bring it in certain places. Yeah. Um, another thing is is I always go with a bag that has zippers that can be locked together. And this is huge. Um, what I will do is I will use a TSA-approved heavy-duty cable lock. And they sell these at like Ace Hardware. You can get them online. But it's not just the, you know, the chintzy tiny lock that you used to put on like a childhood diary or something that you could break open with a, with a writing pen. It's like a beefy cable lock that's TSA approved. Get a couple of those um, and lock your zippers together on your checked luggage. It just, it just, you know, keeps things safe and keeps people from kind of quickly digging around in it, maybe in a back room or en route somewhere. So uh, tip right there, cable luggage locks, TSA approved, super important. Um, 
You talked about using smaller bags within the check bag to stay organized. That's a great pro tip. Uh, but of course, oh, go ahead. Something within that, though, is I actually like to use or maybe not use, but at least pack a small duffel that's very foldable, collapsible, that I can use as a laundry bag. As silly as that sounds, just kind of keeping your laundry organized. Again, a little peace of mind keeps it separate from your clean clothes if you're working out of your your uh, checked bag the whole week sort of thing. So little tip I've, I've used when I was a sales rep, too. A lot of nights in the hotels. There you go. You know, anyway. Right on. Well, of course, all good things having to do with your checked luggage, which, you know, inevitably is probably going to be a part of it. I, I've talked to a lot of people that are like, no, I just I'm going to carry everything on. But then you have to leave things like pliers and tools and sometimes large hooks and large liquid behind. Right. But it does. You know, there is always that kind of ever dreaded question of what to do if your check bag doesn't arrive at your destination. It's like the, the thing we live the most in fear of when we're traveling somewhere to fish, which brings us to the importance of the carry on bag. And I want to talk about this because the carry on bag is, uh, I mean, it's, it's a trip saver often, depending on what you bring along in your carry on. Uh, and we always tell our clients to include items in, in their carry on that will allow them to still be in the game for at least a day or two if their bags are are delayed or even lost. I mean, I've done trips where, you know, for the whole week or even 10 days, your check luggage never showed up. So what you had in your carry-on was what you had to fish with. And keep that in mind when you're packing it. Um, we've got a list we use a lot at Yellow Dog. Alex, show, uh, share that with us, some of the key things you might want to consider bringing along in your carry-on. Yeah, I, I just consider these the vitals. I mean, obviously, you're going to have your important travel documents and money and things like that. But um, again, it's just in case of emergency, you can at least operate for that uh, trip that you've waited for all this time and not be uh, disturbed so yeah uh, a set of fishing clothes very simple you know again you can recycle these for more than one day maybe your bag comes the next day and all set sunglasses that's an obvious one uh, fishing hat water bottle you know a lot of destinations will have water bottles for you to use maybe on the boat but it's really nice to have a water bottle in your cabin or in your room for kind of that early morning or late night whatever it may be uh, camera with batteries, a uh, small amount of sunscreen, possibly wading boots. Um, this is a funny one for the Seychelles. Again, people are really restricted on weight. And if you wear the boots, uh, that's part of your body weight. It's a, a great little hack for you to get in a couple extra pounds. Uh, a few snacks. I'm a big advocate of this. Uh, obviously, just while you're traveling through the airport, there might be long lines as you're traveling. But also when you're on the water, there's those times just kind of late morning where maybe the coffee's eating at your stomach and having a little pick-me-up is uh, it goes a long way. Um, your laptop, computer, or iPad, uh, cash, headphones, key medications, which have to be labeled, by the way. That's a big one. You got You can't just have a random Ziploc full of colorful pills when you go to some of these countries. Like, keep the labels on there so people know what they are. Yeah. Uh, your personal toiletries kit, your passport, all important travel documents and itinerary. And for me, what I have found is getting myself a little brief or a folder or something that this stuff can live in and not get scrunched. It just keeps you organized and all in one place if you have to find it. Yeah, that's that's a great list for your carry on, because, again, let's say your check bags are delayed. You've got everything 
you need to be in the game until it arrives, which is huge. You don't want to be sitting around being like, well, I, I don't have any of this stuff. I don't have my sunglasses. I don't have any sunscreen. You know, it, it's it's terrible. Uh, it's a terrible feeling when it doesn't arrive anyway. And and I will say that we, we do see that less and less. Ten years ago, I think that was more of a problem with lost bags. The airlines, to their credit, there's a lot of things they're, they're not good at, but they've gotten a lot better at uh, keeping – Checked luggage with traveling anglers. The uh, the losses and delays are certainly not as common as they used to be, which is good news. It is good news, but yes, still live and die by this. Uh, it does happen. I had a, a group where it happened, and they didn't have their stuff the whole week. Thank God, their other anglers there could help them. You know, f- kind of fill in the holes too. And yeah, they had their backpack, and they, they were able to fish and had a great time. And that that leads us to what type of carry on. And there's you know. Backpacks are, are certainly uh, a popular one, you know, smaller duffels, camera bags, things like that. Personally, I'm a fan of the waterproof backpacks, and there's some really good ones out there. Um, Fish Pond makes one called the Thunderhead waterproof backpack. It's like 28 liters. The Yeti Ponga waterproof pack, also 28 liters. Sims makes a couple. They make a Dry Creek Z, um, which is 25 liters. Or if you want to, you know, take the kitchen sink with you in your carry-on, they make the G3 Guide Backpack, which is 50 liters. Uh, and then there's one, the Patagonia Stormfront. I think they've discontinued this. It's a 30-liter bag. They're getting harder to find, but that that was one of my all-time favorites. Uh, any of these waterproof backpacks are great for carry-ons. The list that Alec just read down, all of that stuff can fit inside that bag. And then when you get to your destination, that transitions into your on-water bag where you're carrying your your flies, your leader and tippet, extra sunglasses, your camera, your raincoat, all the stuff that you want for a day out on the water. That carry-on bag that got you to your destination then becomes your on-water kit bag for your week of fishing. Yeah, I, I live in my waterproof backpack. I mean, it turns into my boat bag once I'm on the skiff and keeps you organized. And I just, I like how solid it feels as far as having all my essentials in there, whether it's a bunch of money or something like that. You have to work that T-zip. So it's everything with a purpose, you know, someone, you know, worst case scenario, can't necessarily sneak up and you know, <laughs> undo your bag and get in there without you knowing sort of thing. Yeah. And and all those ones we just read off, Patagonia Fish Pond, Yeti Sims, all really good products, but seriously consider a high quality waterproof backpack for your carry-on piece of luggage. They're great. Now, I'm going to throw this one back at you because this is a question we get all the time. Traveling with rods and reels as carry-ons versus in checked luggage. We get this all the time. Um, You mentioned a couple of places where it's a problem. Uh, You know, the question is can I bring these items, my rods and reels on board and carry them on? And and the answer of course is, well, it, it, it depends. It depends on where you're going. Yeah. You know, honestly, it could say in the regulations uh, that it's fine. And then you meet the TSA agent that's having a bad day and it's not fine. So be flexible and talk to your program director that you've booked the trip through because they've worked with hundreds and hundreds of people that have taken the same trip and can at least give you some troubleshooting ideas if you were to run into a situation. But yeah, it's uh, do I do I check it or do I carry it? And there's a lot of different ways about going at that. I would say, you know, first and foremost, if you're able to check or uh, able to carry on, uh, getting yourself uh, a bag that's going to be able to facilitate many rods and reels within it. It's just going to save you a lot of space, a lot of weight. Um, 
and they're you know quite comfortable to carry in hand or over shoulder as opposed to juggling rod tubes. That's like the multi rod and reel vault cases. I know again, Sims makes a great one. I guess the GTS uh, Fish Pond makes a pretty cool one. There, there's some new smaller companies that are making them, but these are the the bags. It almost looks like you're carrying a a violin or something like that. But you open it up and it can take six or eight rods. It has compartments for all your reels. You can put you know tippet and extra leaders and you know small tools that are allowed on board carries it all it's a pretty nice system to get your rods and reels to your destination people love having these because you know they never leave your side right um, but the problem is is that there are some countries and destinations that have a problem with carrying on rods and reels and we see this uh, at times in argentina cuba honduras guatemala you mentioned dubai uh, and Mongolia. Um, those are the big ones where it can get tricky. Also, if you're a steelhead fisherman headed to Vancouver for some reason, that, that's a little bit of a problem area. And in fact, lately, we've even certain, seen this in, in certain U.S. cities, um, like Miami is giving anglers a lot of grief for, for whatever reason. Now, according to the TSA's policies, and if you go to their website, this is their language pulled right from the regulations, quote, fishing rods are permitted in carry-on and check bags. However, passengers should check with the airline to confirm that the fishing rods fit within size limitations for carry-on items. Sharp fishing tackle that may be considered dangerous, such as large fish hooks, should be sheathed, <laughs> securely wrapped, and packed in your check bags. Like other high-value objects, you may wish to pack expensive reels or fragile tackle that does not pose a security threat in your carry-on bags. Now, that's TSA's language. I actually um, have this printed out from the website. Uh, on a piece of paper that's folded up, it's in my carry-on, and and once or twice in the past when someone's like, ah, I don't think you can bring those on, I've actually pulled out those regulations, showed them to the TSA agent, and they're like, oh, okay, I guess you can, and they let you through. <laughs> so not a bad idea, but some places you just are not going to be allowed, whether it's the, the gate agent for an airline or that kind of third-tier security when you're walking down the jetway and the guy says, oh, no, you can't bring these on. Now you're stuck because you can't really argue with those security people. And as you mentioned, Alec, that maybe it's somebody having a bad day, but it doesn't matter because now they've got their hackles up and they're not going to let you bring that on board. And what do you do? You're kind of midway onto the plane. Your check bags are already long gone, right? And you've got rods and reels that they want you to take out and tell you you have to check them. That's a problem. Yes, big time. So oftentimes, I think, again, depending on the country, you may want to go ahead and pack those rods and reels in your check bags. I think it's important. And um, again, with your larger checked bag, I like um, something like the Patagonia Black Hole. I think it's a 110 liter big duffel bag, either wheeled or without wheels. They do both. They fit rods in there. No problem. Yeah, that's the thing. And, uh, you know, whether you wanted to continue to use that uh, kind of vault system uh, bag that's going to hold multiple rods and reels at the same time, that'll be able to fit in there. Or uh, another thing that I actually like to do and recommend to a lot of my folks going to the Seychelles is actually get one of those cardboard uh, mailer tubes. You can fit three rods inside that. Uh, just take them out of their socks. You've got caps on either end. That thing is rock solid. It's it's going to protect your rods great and be very light yeah or leave them in the socks but take them out of the big tubes right? right and so you just have three rods sometimes they can fit four or five if you get the larger diameter poster tubes but you can get those in any office supply store those things are awesome to fit in your check bag now 
We talked about the rod and reel kind of vault cases. Those aren't a bad idea. Um, very popular with anglers. Again, check the regs if you can bring them on board. You know, if you're using a booking agent, they're sending anglers there a lot. And they can tell you if there have been any problems or any hiccups with people bringing those onto the airplane. What's ironic is sometimes we talk about like the Middle East, the Seychelles, some of these African destinations, Argentina, Cuba. Going there is not a problem, right? Right. Coming home can often be a problem when you're checking in with the security in those countries. That's something to think about. Uh, but of course, it's not as big a deal checking that stuff coming home because you're not worried about having it for your fishing. You know, it's a little, little easier going on the way home. You're like, yeah, I can, you know, if my bags get delayed four or five days and find me at home, that's fine. On the way down, it's a little more imperative that you have that stuff with you. Um, one other thing, there's some kind of cool new lightweight, I guess they call them burrito rolls. Right. And uh, Patagonia, Fish Pond are making these. Um, they're super light. You kind of roll them out, then you tuck the rods in there, and you roll them back up. It kind of looks like a, a poster tube, and, and they weigh nothing. Um, not a lot of rigidity on them, so I don't know that you'd want to check those. Certainly not on their own, maybe in your, in your check bag. But for a carry-on with rods specifically, it's not a bad idea. You can fit a lot of rods in there. Oh, for sure. It keeps them really organized. And, uh, you know, example, if it was kind of that last stretch where you can visibly watch that piece get loaded onto the plane on top of the bags, it's it's totally going to be protected. But, yeah, I would kind of avoid traveling multi, you know, uh, transfers with that bag and checking it. That would be more of a carry-on piece. Yeah, for sure. And rods in general, I mean, if you can avoid checking something that screams, hey, this is full of fly rods, it's small <laughs> and thin, you know, it can either get knocked off the belt or forgotten on a baggage cart because people just don't see it, or it's just a target, right? You know, they're like, oh, this must be full of high-end fly rods. Um, so something to think about. Um Reels, and this is crazy, Alec. I've uh, seen a number of problems. Uh, we see this a lot in Canada, especially in BC, flying through Vancouver, Venezuela, again, Cuba, Dubai, certain areas in Mexico, uh, such as Baja. Um, they are telling people at times you are not allowed to bring fly reels on board, not because of the reel itself, but because of the line and the backing. And this is the craziest thing I've ever heard. They say they're a security threat. They call them restraining devices. Like, you're, you know, you're going to tie up the pilots or other passengers with, you know, your your weight forward nine floating line. Um, but this kills me because, I, you know, when I've heard that logic from a security person, like, oh, it's a restraining device. You're not allowed to bring this on board. I'm like, oh, so you must be confiscating everyone's belts and shoelaces that are flying <laughs> right. on the plane, too. And, of course, they're not. But, again, if it's a problem – Check those reels. Make sure they're padded in your luggage. Um, if they're not packed the right way, oftentimes a reel handle can bend or actually break off. So pad them really well. I like to line them up with the handles facing each other and then wrap them up and close. Put them kind of in the center of the bag so they're not easy to, to find if somebody's you know got slippery fingers or um, just overall to protect them. So a good thing to think about. But that's the, the thing with rods and reels, I guess, is, you know, can I carry them on? It depends. It depends on where you're going. Um, if you're not sure, a good kind of rule of thumb is just to go ahead and plan to pack them in your checked luggage. Yeah. And one more thing to think about, too, are these operations are getting better and better about having a rental fleet of sorts um, for you to use during the week, whether it's free or you know paid, whatever it may be. That's also a strong consideration if you're really tight on uh, weight or room, things like that. Or if your bags did get lost, rest assured, you will be able to uh, at least use some of that rental gear to get you through. 
Yeah. And it's a great backup plan too. So it's like, oh, geez, I'm going to the salt, you know, 10,000 miles away. I guess I'm going to have to bring seven different rods. It's like, no, you could bring three or four if they have demo or loaner equipment, and then you can count on their stuff as backups. Yes. Well, let's move on to the next big topic. Uh, and I know you're an expert on this one <laughs> with yes. your background in uh, fly tying, fly design and all your travels, but specific suggestions for traveling with flies. Uh, tell us what is your system when you're going on a, a kind of long distance destination trip with flights involved, checked luggage, carry on luggage. What's your system for traveling with flies and boxes of flies? Yeah, so uh, definitely a hoarder of flies. Being a big fly tire, I always uh, spend way too much time preparing for the trip and end up using about four of the flies because, you know, <laughs> that's just how it is. But um, what I have found more and more is that, like, I like to have one kind of uh, warehouse box that's going to carry a lot of my flies. And then I'm going to have what is going to be my working box. And that working box is something that I will actually try to uh, carry on with me. This is going to be an assortment of kind of the go-to flies for all the different species you might be fishing that will get you through uh, if your check bag does not make it there. So it would be one to two dozen flies in that smaller collection. Correct, correct. And then, yeah, that bigger warehouse of flies, that like boat box or something, whatever you end up using, I can just constantly revisit each day or it can, you know, live in my waterproof backpack on the boat sort of thing. But I, I just like a streamlined system where I am not taking up so much space with four uh, bugger boxes and everything like that personally. So take the, the large quantity of flies, the big boxes, they go in your checked luggage, and then you have a, a small box that goes in your carry-on. Correct. Yes. And then, um, you know, something I also am working on doing is just minimizing the amount of flies. I was just in Cuba actually with you, Jim, and I found myself bringing so many what if flies, um, and <laughs> those just sat there. They never got used. Um, I, yeah, it just really take a look at your flies, analyze it, look at our packing list. Do I need to bring these? Yeah, it's hard because especially, you know, if you're a tire or just a, a great consumer and you buy a lot of flies, like you want to have that stuff with you, right? It's awesome to open up that box and have everything under the sun. Yeah. But, you know, a good rule I have for destination fishing, unless you, you know, have been there before or you've talked to, you know, your, your agent or program manager and they're like, this is the pattern. You know, you want to make sure you have at least a dozen of these in this size or whatever it may be. Um I, I oftentimes like to go broad as opposed to going deep. So I might have a, a big box that has you know, quite a few different things. But uh, in most destinations, you're not burning through dozens of flies a day. I mean, there, there are, you know, the exceptions like some of the jungle fishing, you know, when you got piranha that are mauling your flies when you're trying to catch peacocks or whatever it is. But um, oftentimes you don't need as many flies as you think. So rather than going, you know, I'm going to take a dozen of Every pattern and every color and every size and every different sink rate, maybe cut back on that and just go a little bit broader. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, again, TSA regulations, and this is what's really goofy. They tell you that you can bring fishing flies in your, in your lug, or excuse me, your carry on, but their definition is, is small flies. <laughs> That's it. That's yeah, all very they say. specific. Thank you. Right. <laughs> so, you know, again, oftentimes you're at the mercy of kind of the gatekeepers at security where, um, you know, probably trout flies or small bonefish flies, you're probably going to be okay, right? Um, you know, there's people walking through with earrings dangling off their ears that are way larger than some of these bonefish flies. Yep. 
But, you know, if you're going blue water fishing, you're pulling out, you know, mega six-aught hooks and things like that. Um, those things look a little bit uh, more dangerous. And oftentimes, TSA agents will have an issue with those. So think about where you're going, the size of the flies. Be smart. But I love the idea you take a small kind of go-to quantity in your carry-on that will allow you to fish for a day or two and then put everything else in your checked luggage. That's a really good system for traveling with flies. And, and you know, it also keeps you from kind of putting all of your eggs in one basket. That oh, way. yeah, big time. Yeah. So uh, boat boxes, great way to hold flies, but they can oftentimes take up a lot of space and, and weight depending on the box. So be thoughtful about your, your boat boxes, even in your checked luggage. Be smart about that. And I also like to bring some Ziploc bags where if it's the kind of, you know, let's say it's tarpon flies, right, where they can kind of, you know, get stacked a little bit and maybe, you know, lay flat versus something that has big hackles on it that you don't want to. Ziploc bags are a great uh, fly storage system for transportation, and they kind of keep the bulk and the size small. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, it, it seems very rudimentary to use a plastic bag, and uh, it's going to stay a mess. But I, the, actually, it keeps your fly in a really good condition. It's transparent, so you can see it. It's keeping it dry. Um, you know, they make all sorts of uh, fly storage systems now uh, that look kind of like a sink tip wallet or something like that. That's another great way that I've seen people bring a lot of GT flies that are yeah sometimes on six out eight out hooks, and it's really compact. It's light, um, yeah. not taking up loads. Flat. Yeah. And I know there's a tool that with especially big saltwater flies or big toothy critter flies for like pike or whatever that you like to bring, which is a little hair comb. Tell us about that. Yeah, you know, it's a funny one. I, I saw an old guy fish with down uh, in Pine Island Sound. We were fishing tarpon, and, you know, we're fishing a synthetic fly, a little Puglisi thing. And after a fish ate, the, the fly looked mangled, like I, you couldn't fish it at all. And he, he just pulls out this little hair comb, one of those kind of one-sided little black hair combs you'd see brushes it out and his fly was good as new. Um, so that's the on water application. And then, you know, at the end of each day, inevitably you're going to have a handful of flies, whether it's a freshwater streamer or whatever it may be, take a little time to clean it up, brush it out, let it dry out overnight. And that can go right back in your box and it'll be able to fish again. Sorry, after you rinse it, of course, yes, <laughs> that's of course. the big thing is have a separate storage system, whether it's a Ziploc or a little plastic cup or whatever for your used flies. You know, they're still good that you can keep fishing them and you can eventually put them back in your box. But after they've hit the salt water, let's say, make sure you go back, you rinse them and dry them so they don't contaminate the rest of your flies. If you put them back in the box, that's, a, that's actually a mistake that a lot of anglers make. And then they, you know, get home and two months later, open up that box and everything in there has got a layer of rust on it from just those few used flies that they oh, put yeah. back in there. Yep. Well, good information on flies for sure. Um, let's move on to the next one. And this is one that I really like, and, and hopefully this will um, provide some great notes for people listening. Often overlooked items that, that we always bring on destination fishing trips. Now, we are huge proponents of packing lists. And for every destination that we book and offer to people, we have really detailed equipment packing lists from A to Z. Uh, you may not need everything on that list, but if it's on that list, it's there for a reason. You know, Over time and over the years of going to these areas, we found that this stuff is useful and relevant. So we love our packing lists, but there are oftentimes things that if people are doing it on their own or they're kind of rushing to put their stuff together that, that they forget about. So let's talk a little bit about a few kind of quick things that people may overlook. Um, give us give us the list as you have it. 
Yeah, these are, you know, not necessarily very fishing forward. These are comfort items, but they go a long way in some of these more remote locations. Um, The first one would be a a power converter and a small multi-plug outlet with USB ports included. Um, You know, things are always changing overseas, whether the boat is new or old that you are living on. It could have those US adapters or you might have the room that still has the old one. Just be prepared. And, you know, we're going to provide you with, uh, you know, what the country's specific outlet may be. But when you have one of these multi adapter things adapters it just really allows you to be ready to plug in at the airport or wherever it may be and if you go on amazon and you google you know international electrical travel adapter it comes out it's it's the size of like i don't know a big pack of chewing gum maybe two of them stacked together maybe two inches by two inches by three inches but it's got the little slides where every international plug in the world can shoot out of there and you can quickly adapt so that's an awesome 15 dollar item to make sure you have for sure. And just to add on top of that, a personal thing I like to do is actually bring a small, like three to four foot long extension cord that has uh, multiple outlet faces on the end. Uh, you know, sometimes there's that one outlet in your room and it's behind your bed and it's hard to get to and <laughs> you have a lot of things to charge. But anyway, um, yeah, always take a portable charging battery pack and USB cord. Um, it might be the plane that you're on. You don't have a plug that you can charge your phone on or computer on. So being able to recharge while you're laying over in that next airport and needing the logistics uh, from your, your apps and things like that, very good piece to have. A small notebook and pen. Um, You know, sometimes you will neglect this, but if you have it, it's going to come in handy when you need it. Absolutely. This is a very vital piece. Earplugs. Um, Yeah, for for sleeping yourself, whether it's uh, just a a loud area or maybe you have a noisy uh, bunk mate. (laughs) <laughs> that, that can that can save the nights i'll tell you yeah um a couple extra uh, luggage locks uh zip ties do work in a pinch too this is a great thing to use uh this is a big one for me a basic first aid kit um, whether you make it yourself or you buy one of these kind of pre-packaged ones uh like the adventure medical kits um they have a super solid selection uh that kind of range with how many days you're going to be away and how many people are going to be on your trip um they get, they're very compact. They're made to, you know, go on backpacking trips and stuff like that. So they're very conscious of its size. Super and important item. And then you can kind of customize it with whatever other little things you want to put into that emergency medical kit. Yes. Um, a flashlight or headlamp. Yeah, I don't leave home without my headlamp. Um, you know, most of the places you might have great you know, rooms, uh, great light in your rooms and everywhere else, but you never know middle of the night or whatever it may be. It's just really convenient. Maybe the generator gets shut off at the lodge, whatever it is. Sure. Or yeah, night, night mission to go catch snook at a dock or something like that. You never know. Um, duct tape, uh, that's just to fix anything. Duct tape saves the world. (laughs) Yeah. A bar of soap. Uh, you never know, you know, you could be staying in a hotel and they don't have it or, you know, it just, it's just a really nice piece to have. Yeah, my favorite is you get to where you're going for the weekend. There's a little sliver of soap about the size of a piece of like bazooka chewing gum. And you're like, great, that's my soap for the week. I always bring a bar of soap for the, for the shower. <laughs> Uh, again, carry your own water bottle. Most of these places might have water bottles for you, but whether you're in the airport and filling up or in you know, a bedside at nighttime, it's a nice thing to have. 
Um, next thing is a water treatment of some sort. So electrolyte, electrolyte tablets or powders. Uh, these are great. There's a lot of companies out there, uh, Drip Drop, uh, Noom, um, Liquid IV. And uh, this is a way to stay hydrated on the water, um, at least in my world where I'm booking a lot of people to the Seychelles. They're dealing with a lot of desalinated water that's had all those nutrients taken out that help keep you hydrated. So having that in there uh, really keeps you in the game and then, you know, it might come down to they just have some funky taste in water at this destination. You don't you want to mask that a little bit. Um, snacks again, keep you focused on the water, keep you going in the airport if there's long lines. Uh, lip balm, this is a funny one. I, I'm guilty of this often, and now um, I just really make sure that's always in my dop kit. You might have all the best sunscreen in the world, you forget your lips, and by day three, uh, <laughs> you're bleeding. So uh, make sure it does have some SPF in there. Uh, fly tying materials, kind of uh, optional, obviously, if you're not a fly tire, but this can also be a great gift to the guides at the end of the week. Inevitably, one of them's a fly tire, and it's really hard to get materials there if you're not going to be tying with it yourself. Um, a Leatherman style tool. This is another one that is an absolute necessary one for me. Um, whether it's a personal uh, mechanical issue with like a rod or, uh, or, you know, getting a reel off a rod or dealing with a real maintenance of some sort, or when you're on the boat, um, you might be on a, a boat in who knows Mexico or something like that, where they don't have a complete toolkit out there. And it might be as simple as, you know, flipping off the cowling and adjusting a screw. And if you had that forum, that would, that would save the day. Um, a lighter uh, that can come up, you know, in so many situations where you might need that. And then a Ziploc with my, for my fishing pack. Um, this is kind of my fishing toiletry bag, if you will. I know I'm going to be using it. It's not necessarily, fishing forward but very handy to have in a dry place transparent so i can see it so within that i'm going to put some toilet paper uh, for one obvious use but also a great use for cleaning sunglasses it does a really good job wiping the grease off of there uh, line cleaner i like to use just like kind of those single use disposables when i'm out there and can just put it back in my ziploc when i'm done uh, real lube if you're a, a cork drag guy it's nice to have that stuff with you um, sunglass and camera lens cleaners, those little alcohol wipes. This would be kind of an alternative to using that toilet paper. Those are uh, very nice to use. You put all those in a Ziploc and that goes in your daily boat bag. Yes. Yeah. That would live in my waterproof backpack. Yep. Uh, Sharpie marker. Uh, I would recommend actually a couple colors of these black and red, at least, um, you might have almost the perfect fly, for example, and your guy just wants red tips on the claws or something like that, and you can change that. Um, so it definitely comes in handy. And and if your buddy falls asleep, you know, in the lodge bar early, and <laughs> you know things get a little sporty, you know, it's nice to have a sharpie. Yeah. Uh, spare fly lines. Uh, this is an obvious one. Um, not every location is going to have spare fly lines, and that can kind of put your rod out of commission if you don't have a spare line and the line breaks for example gets caught in the motor whatever it may be um, small uh, bluetooth speaker this is becoming more and more popular some people might not be into this totally get it if you're not but they're great to have around maybe operate fishing or when you're on the boat um, it's great to have some music but inevitably there's going to be some quiet time on the boat and it's nice to have some tunes to 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 enjoy maybe during lunchtime or something. That's one like of my that. favorite things. I, I always love music when I'm fishing. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then a, a trash bag for wet fishing clothes or wedding boots uh, for your trip home. Um, 
chances are that very last day you fished, you're not going to have time to completely dry that stuff out and put it back in your bag. And unless you want to infect your bag of the smell of moldy, uh, you know, mildewy wading boots, it's nice to kind of uh, isolate that from the rest of your gear. And then the last one would be a travel coffee mug. Um, again, you might want to enjoy some coffee when you're on the float plane getting to the river or on the skiff on the way to the first flat it's a really nice piece to have yeah bring that yeti mug with you it'll, it'll come in handy and then again at the end of the week leave it behind for one of the guides one of the crew they'll appreciate it there's a, there's a couple other random things that i always be sure to bring and one of them is a is a great book that is related to the destination that i'm fishing so, for example, if I'm going to Argentina, you know, grab a, uh, that copy of, of the book Patagonia by Bruce Chatwin. It's a great read, especially, you know, meaningful when you're down there in that area. You know, if I'm headed to Cuba, I might be grabbing a copy of Havana Nocturne by T.J. English, which is one of the greatest books about Cuba ever written. You know, if you're going jungle fishing in Brazil, what a great time to read the uh, Theodore Roosevelt book River of Doubt uh, or Seychelles. There's a hard-to-find book called Beyond the Green Reef, I think is the name of it. But uh, it's really fun to match up a book about the destination to have to read while you're there. There's just something kind of special about that. So I always make sure I have that with me. Um, you touched on this earlier, uh, but I oftentimes will pack one of those fold up duffel bags, um, depending on the destination. And this is something like REI has them. Um, you can get them in it, it, it smashes flat to like the size of a t-shirt, but then you unzip the holding bag, you, you pull it out and it's like a three foot long zipper duffel that let's say, um, you know, if you're going to a destination where all of your travel clothes and everything can be left kind of at the main hotel before you get on where weight is an issue, that's really common in the Seychelles, you have a bag to leave behind so it doesn't count towards your total flight weight. Or oftentimes if you're going to a really cool place, let's say you're going to Tanzania to go tiger fishing. Well, chances are good. You're going to, you know, have a couple of days over there. We're going to come home with some cool stuff, right? And if you're, you know, have a tight packed bag going over, how do you get the rest of this stuff home? So I like to have that backup kind of foldable duffel bag that I can deploy and fill with stuff. If I'm bringing anything else home, that's a nice thing to have. Um, one thing that's kind of cool to think about is something to leave your guide or the crew. And this goes a long way uh, and kind of ensures they won't forget you if and when you come back the next time. Uh, and remember, a lot of times these guides might be there for four, six, ten months on location, way out in the middle of nowhere, thoughtful gifts, whether it's, you know, some chocolate bars or some reading material or, you know, a pair of sunglasses, some of the backup gear that maybe you're not using. That goes a long way in these places. So maybe something to think about bringing as well and adding to that list. And then the last thing I want to talk about, and we could actually do a, you know, a 30-minute conversation <laughs> just on this, but this is my favorite thing to bring. And this is what I call my essentials kit. And I read an article about this like 25 years ago. And what it is, it's, it's a, a small kit that is a collection of tools, repair materials, and kind of tiny doodads that can come in handy and, and literally save the day when things go wrong. This is, I, I kind of refer to this as like my traveling MacGyver kit. And what I've done is, is one of these old airline handouts. It's probably like eight inches by three inches tall by four inches wide. It's like a little zippered kind of compartment bag. I fill this with a ton of little things that can literally save the trip when equipment fails or something goes wrong, you know, from blown out flip-flops where I've had to stitch those back together with twine and a big needle, um, you know, to broken rod tips, repairing those, minor, minor field surgery for, you know, a medical situation. Assemble your own kit. 
and make it a part of your regular packing list. Just throw it in the gear bag whenever you're going somewhere. And and again, we could, you know, there's probably 40 or 50 little tiny items I have in mind. But to give you a quick rundown, um, first of all, the, the bag itself can be a little soft-sided zippered bag, something tiny. But, you know, put in one of those little hotel sewing kits, repair kits. Um, if you needed a cigar cutter, a small multi-tool with scissors, maybe a little tube of aqua seal that you typically get when you buy a new pair of waders, throw that in there. Some gorilla tape and electrician's tape. And what I'll do is I'll take a little nub of pencil, like a golf pencil, and I'll wrap duct tape and gorilla tape around that, throw that in there. So it's not bulky, but you have it if you need it. You know, that black Sharpie, I've got a little short one that goes in there. Um, Nail knot tool, fly tying scissors always comes in handy. Um, Some little tiny tube of real oil or lubricant um, for cork drags, that kind of thing. Um, Some tubes of super glue, those little tiny one-use tubes of super glue, a razor blade, maybe a multi-tip screwdriver kit, the kind you can fix sunglasses with a few safety pins, some rubber bands. I like, I have a little micro Ziploc bag full of like eight different rod tip tops. I went to a fly shop that sells rod building materials and I bought one of every size. Let's say you break the first four or five inches off of your rod tip. No problem. You can still fish it. You just take one of those slightly larger tips, put it right on the top and you're still in the game. Now, instead of a nine foot rod, maybe, you know, you have an eight foot eight inch rod, but you're still fishing, right? And so that's a great thing to have some zip ties, make your own list, but that essentials kit can absolutely save the trip. And it's something I never, ever leave home without. Yeah. And it might not be for a situation you're in. Maybe it's uh, someone else that's at the lodge for the week and their equipment fails. And if you can help them out, Heck yeah, that's awesome. You're they're kidding. buying beers. Yeah, they're buying beers. That's exactly. right. Well, good stuff. And uh, and hopefully some some good advice that uh, that our listeners picked up on there, but things to think about and add to that, that packing list. Moving on to the next section, I want to talk for just a couple minutes about some airline and flight tips. Now, this isn't necessarily related to how to pack or what to pack, but the travel process, the, the flights themselves are a big part of the coming and going on these adventures. So a few things um, that we would recommend when it comes to airline travel uh, and the, the flights you're going to have to take. Number one, if you are traveling on a regular basis, A, make sure you qualify for TSA pre-check. Get that on there. Um, look into the new clear program. That's one of those fast track lanes. Um, that's something that's well worth the money. Um, we know how busy travel is these days. And when you are coming or going and you show up at the security lines or you're coming back in to customs and immigration with security, um, it, it can be a nightmare. And it can be hours, literally hours in some of these airports. So pre-check and clear are great things to have. My absolute favorite, best $100 I think I've ever spent in my life is the global entry card for coming back into the country. You literally, you know, step into those giant receiving halls and there's like nine giant planes coming in from all over the world. The lines are endless and you just walk right by everybody and you go to those little machines, you put your passport on there and you are through and done. Best hundred bucks you've ever spent and probably the thing that's going to allow you to make your connection to get home that same day. Um, When buying airline tickets, here's a a good little travel hack. Focus on midweek flight deals. Uh, It's a little known fact that oftentimes on like late Wednesdays and late Thursday nights is when airlines will often adjust those flight rates. So if you're looking, uh, especially on like a Friday or weekends, you're going to see high rates. But if you wait till midweek, oftentimes late at night, you can find better online deals. Something to think about. Um, We recommend you always reconfirm your airline reservations the night before your trip and again before you walk out the door. Seems like common sense, but 
God, if we've learned anything these last couple of years, things are constantly changing. That's a, that's a big one. Something simple to do, but you know, check all the time leading up to your trip right until the morning of departure. And then uh, watch the weather. I mean, this is something you and I were talking about the other day, Alec, about you know, if uh, you can check the weather and you know there's going to be some pretty big chances for airline delays, get out in front of that. Yeah. Maybe you have to drive to the next city over and fly to a different destination, but at least you you made the plan and you weren't stressed out about it. You just followed through and were successful and you got to your destination. That's right. Um, I always like to bring that airline survival kit for long trips. And this is kind of something, again, that goes in the carry-on, but this is the earplugs, a few snacks, make sure you have a charged cell phone. I actually bring my little small flashlight in my carry-on because if you're on a 12-hour international flight, you might, you know, get up in the middle of the night and have to get something out of your carry-on. That can help. You know, sanitizing wipes, definitely entertainment. Um Headphones. I'm a huge, huge proponent of the, the noise-canceling headphones on those long flights. Uh, and then all your cash, you know, some extra cash goes in there. But, uh, you know, have that airline survival kit. Um, the last thing I always like to talk to clients about when it comes to air travel, and again, especially in this day and age, is the, the concept of when things go wrong, know how to complain. Now, this sounds kind of goofy, but, um, you know, when, when problems arise in travel and, and we experience delays, how you handle this in person and on site, it's oftentimes going to determine the outcome or the solution. And what I always say is, you know, try not to yell at the people who are working the counter. You know, if there's weather delays and mechanical delays, you know whose fault it's not the person working the counter, right? They're just trying to deal with 240 upset people that are now standing at the gate. But, you know, they're trying to do their jobs. Be nice, be kind. Um, if you can't calmly resolve a problem on site, take some notes. And this is where that notepad pen come in. Take some good notes, get names, um, you know, get details, take some pictures if you want. That always helps. Uh, and then follow up immediately with a phone call to the airline's customer service number. Even if you're standing at the gate, the lines are long, sometimes getting on that, that phone and calling the airline can help. Um, and if all else fails when you get home. It, that information you've recorded allows you to write a really good letter that oftentimes can result in, in some compensation or, or the airlines making things right. So know how to complain. That's a good good point there. Big time. Um, one thing I wanted to add here, and it's pretty obvious, but just want to reiterate is give yourself plenty of time to arrive at the airport. It is crazier than ever, and it might be a very small three-gate airport. It, you'd be surprised how much more busy it is these days, and giving yourself time to check that bag, and that bag has time to get onto the plane. Those little things, again, you're not stressed. You're not last minute. Um, it, it can go a long way. Yeah, for sure. Um, in this day and age, we see it at the Bozeman Airport all the time. You used to be able to show up 20 minutes before your flight. Those days are long gone. Yeah. <laughs> so it'd be smart about that. Which brings us into the next big topic. Some of our favorite travel apps and phone tools, right? Um, and then, you know, the modern day with, you know, we live and, and breathe and, and die by our phones, right? Like these things are super important. All our information's on there. But there's some really good travel apps that can help out. Um, one of my favorites is called TripIt. 
right? It's something you you download all your flights and rental cars and hotels and itineraries into, and it's all just there in one touch. That's a good one. Um, and then I know you were talking to me earlier about airline apps. That's a big one. Yes. I mean, all airlines are going to have an app, and it is going to notify you with any little change that's going to happen. Um, it is such a useful tool for me to travel. Um, and, yes, turn on those notifications so that it is updating you. Oh, there's been a gate change, and it's across the airport. Well, that's quite nice to know if you didn't hear it over the intercom sort of thing. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big Delta guy. I always fly Delta. They have an awesome app. I mean, and it tells you to the point where like you're on the plane. All of a sudden it's like, ding, your bag has been loaded on the plane. It's like really nice peace of mind. <laughs> yeah. So communication when you're out of the country, this is a big one. Yeah. It's funny. It's, I feel like the States it's been the last, uh, app to maybe catch on, but the rest of the world has been using it to some great degree. And that's WhatsApp. WhatsApp is a fantastic app to use, um, to communicate, uh, you know, with, phone numbers or whatever it may be, voice notes. Um, it is such a useful tool that it seems to be working better than most any other app out there for communication. Nobody should leave the country without a WhatsApp download on their phone. Yes. And the numbers loaded into it for the, the lodge, your booking agent, the transfer agent, all of that. It's the ultimate form of communication when you're out of the country. Um, there's a good app, tsa.gov. It relates to some of the things we were talking about with packing regulations and rules and protocols. Uh, TSA travel rules, right? It's all at tsa.gov. That's a good one. Um, cdc.gov uh, in this day and age, great for updates and anything you need to know about um, restrictions and rules for traveling to different countries. Um, I know you're a big fan of Spotify. We were talking about the the speaker in the boat or in the bar after fishing. Oh, big time. Yeah, whether it's a, a number of albums to listen to while you're on the boat or tackle setup or whatever it is, or podcasts or anything like that, just to kind of keep your mind at ease. And um, it's a, a very nice thing to have out there. Global Rescue. Uh, this is a service we highly recommend. It's medical evacuation and security services. I'm I'm a proponent. I'm, I'm a I'm a big fan. I'm a past user of the service. Um, I, a I think everyone should have a global rescue policy when you leave the country, especially if you're going to anything remote, far off the grid. But they've got an app that's unbelievable. It gives great updates and info about specific countries, security assessments, entry and exit requirements that are super updated. It's got contact numbers that you need. It's a great app. I would definitely recommend that you download that one. Yeah, it's super user-friendly. If you need to use it, you're not going to want to have to sign on to your laptop to find the old email for being accepted into global entry or something like that. Very easy to use and, um, yeah, fantastic. What else do you like? Uh, just a basic currency exchange app. If you're, uh, you know, heading to maybe one country or multiple countries, having that all in one place to have a quick calculator. Um, and, you know, often the price is mentioned to you and it seems to be in the moment. You can pull out your phone really quick without having to explain to them what kind of currency you have. And yeah, it's quite a nice tool to have. Yeah. I know you like uh, to download offline satellite images too on Google. 
uh, of the places that you're heading. So when you're there, you, you know, even if you don't have a signal, you kind of dial it up, see what's going on, where you're going. Yeah, Google Maps uh, has this great feature where, you know, when you're in Wi-Fi or just at least cell phone coverage, you can um, download a whole area. And I mean, you could download all of the Seychelles, for example. And then once you go offline, it's saved into your phone and you could zoom all the way into the finest details. And, you know, personally, I just love to kind of see where we're going for the day or just kind of rehash at the end of the day. But it could come in handy for whatever reason as well. Yeah. If, if your guide gets pissed and just walks in the middle of the day or drops yeah. dead off the polling platform, <laughs> you're mean, like, all right, let's happen. see where we are. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Um, other online resources um, for checking regulations and rules or for finding more packing information and suggestions, um, the Yellow Dog website and our pre-trip planning guide, super detailed. We've got a lot of great blog posts and articles and information up on the Yellow Dog website that uh, kind of goes through a lot of the things we've been talking about today. Um, there's tons of travel tips and how-to videos on Yellow Dog TV. Um, and then also um, really review that passport information on the U.S. State Department website. That's good information to have, especially if you need to renew. Um, but, um, you know, these this day and age, what you have on your phone can be incredibly powerful tools for travel. So be thoughtful about your apps. Make sure you download everything that could possibly help. And, and as long as your phone stays charged and you don't lose it, you'll be in good shape. Yeah. So let's move on to some other kind of what I call the non-equipment, non-packing specific general travel tips. All right. And these are things we've come to to learn over the past 30 years of, of globe trotting, traveling the planet. These aren't necessarily um, rules. This is not advice that pertains to what to bring or how to pack, but these are, are, are good rules about just how to be a good traveler, right? Um, we'll go through a few of these. Um, I always recommend, you know, when traveling to a foreign country, all right, uh, especially one where English is not predominant, take some time to learn a few key phrases before you arrive. I think this is such a cool thing. Your guides will be impressed. The staff will be impressed. It goes a long way. Oh, big time. And yeah, I feel like also kind of, some of their more customary things they do in their cultures, just to be aware of them, the maybe do's and don'ts. Um, you know, we're pretty uh, footloose and fancy free here in the States. You might be heading to a place where you, that might make a bad impression yeah. if you did the wrong Middle thing. East, for example, yeah. you know, know, know what the cultures are. Yeah. yeah. Um, one thing I tell people is to always remember that patience is important when traveling. And this is so true these days. You know, don't don't sweat the stuff you can't control. Life is too short to be angry and annoyed. And that is not why we're going on these trips. This is fun, right? This is this is something we love. And so even if the process gets bumpy or difficult, patience is so important and just be nice. Another uh, great piece of advice, take a lot of photos. You know, great photos to me are the ultimate souvenir. They don't cost anything. They're easy to share with others and they take up no space in your luggage. So, uh, you know, whether it's uh, the, the camera on your cell phone or if you're bringing a, a DSLR body, whatever it is, take lots and lots and lots of photos so you can remember the moment and share it with your friends and family when you get home. Uh, and speaking of photos, another great tip is take a photo of your passport and all of your other important documents, your itinerary, phone numbers, it's redundancy with all that stuff. Make sure if you're like, God, I, I, my bag's not here. Someone you know, stole my carry-on, whatever. If you have that cell phone in your pocket and you can pull up all those documents and, and that passport picture and everything else, that's going to help yes. in a jam. Oh, big time. Another one, we talk about valuables. 
Yeah, do you need them? Yeah, leave them at home. <laughs> right. I can see a watch that maybe can record some things or whatever, but yeah, in general, you don't need jewelry out there on the water. Yeah, leave the bling. Yeah. Yeah, you don't need it on a fishing trip. Uh, another key piece of advice is read your pre-trip information and documents ahead of time. And this, this is so funny because so we, you know, <laughs> yeah, we, we work with so many people who are so excited about their trip. They, they get sent the information, the pre-trip lists, all the guides, and they're not reading them until maybe they're on their way to the airport or maybe the night before the trip. And then they're scrambling. So when you get the stuff, read it, print it out, revisit it. It's been written for a reason, and it's so incredibly helpful to set you up for success. So do not uh, forget to read these documents. They are so important. And just remember, they are created uh, specifically for you. So those details have been well thought out by the person that's written it for you at Yellow Dog. And uh, it, it might have something as simple as, yeah, in, you know, wait an extra 20 minutes sometimes they are late because of traffic during this type of day or something oh, and the pickup like day or transfer agents yeah. exactly yeah. it kind of walks you through all the different scenarios and it's a huge help uh, another big piece of advice i give to people in international travel is simply don't be afraid you know the world is crazy but most of these fishing destinations are not not as dangerous as the media makes it out to be you know use common sense and you'll almost always be okay. You know, don't be afraid. Most people that you're going to meet in these journeys are friendly. They're trustworthy. They're generous. They're willing to help you out. And, uh, and they're happy. So go and make the most of it and be that positive person. That, that goes a long way. Um, this is another one. Kind of gets back to what you just said. Run, run through scenarios for potential travel delays or flight changes. Have a plan and know ahead of time how you could potentially handle these problems if they arise. Know what you're going to do. Yes. Have your contacts in front of you, uh, and you've already kind of created the plan if it did happen that you can follow through. There's no kind of quick workshop in your head like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? i got to beat everyone else to do it because they've got the delay as well. Um, yeah, it can just make your life so much easier. That's right. Another key piece of advice, uh, especially on location, is communicate. All right? Let's say you get to a lodge, get to your destination, and there's something you're unhappy about, something that needs to be fixed. Speak up. You know, find the lodge manager, grab the fishing manager after that first day and talk to them, ask and, and get the answer that you're hoping for. You know, oftentimes we talk to people and they're like, you know, everything was great, but boy, I had this one problem with this guide or with some play and I didn't want to say anything. I didn't want to make a big deal of it. So they kind of suffered through for the week. And then we're hearing about it. Once they get home, it's like, don't do that. Speak up and let the people that are running the operation, the managers, the people in charge, let them fix it for you and make it better. That's their job. Absolutely. I mean, this even comes down to communicating with your guide. Um, he might assume you just want to cast a permit all day. And you wanted to cast a bonefish all day, you know, talk to them. Uh, they are so ready to facilitate a good day of catching fish, whatever it may be, or change a leader or whatever it is. Don't wait till the end of the day and be like, oh, I'm down to three feet and my guide never wanted me to change my leader. It's like, ask them to if you don't know how to. Speak up. Yeah. That's right. And then last, lastly, you know, be open-minded. You know, there's lots of cultural differences out there. And it's one of the reasons we travel is to expose ourselves to that and experience that. And I say all the time, you know, this world would be such a, a better place if there were more open-minded people that had actually taken some time to travel and see what else is out there in the world. Uh, but be open-minded when you travel because that's what it's all about. And uh, just a few kind of general pieces of travel advice. Now, the next thing we're going to do, and this is what's going to close out this segment, 
These are uh, our absolute top travel tips and key things that we tell our clients that are booking with Yellow Dog, that are heading out into the world, going off on an international destination to fish. This is going to reiterate some of the things that we've already talked about, but these are some key things, key tips to live by. Focus on these super important recommendations. Before we do that, let me refill your glass right here. We'll close it out and uh, there we go. And we'll uh, hit our last ones. That's perfect. So number one, pack your gear in a soft-sided waterproof type duffel without wheels, frames, or hard sides when possible. Soft duffels are easier to pack into truck beds, rafts, water taxis, float planes, or strapped to the side of horses or mules. Go with a fabric that's going to be waterproof or at least water resistant for the elements. That's number one. Number two. For your check bags, uh, consider splitting everything into two smaller bags. So if one bag doesn't show, you're still in the game. That's right. You can have one 50-pound checked piece of luggage or two smaller bags. If you're allowed two at no charge, split everything up. Hopefully, you know, if, if there's a delay with one, the other one gets there and you're still in the game. That's a good one. Number three. You, <laughs> we'll give this to the Alaska guide right here. <laughs> insect repellent goes on every single trip um yes uh, you don't know what's gonna come whether it is yeah cuba or a stove or alaska uh you know on paper it's like oh there shouldn't be that many bugs there and suddenly you're getting hammered by biting flies or something like that it nothing like swatting flies while you're seeing rolling tarpon or something like that. It's nice to have that on you. Yeah, I love that. I, I bring it everywhere. Country's like, no, we don't have any mosquitoes in this country. I'm like, I don't care. I'm bringing it. <laughs> it goes on every trip with me, period. Number four, don't count on being able to use your phone overseas to access data and numbers for emergencies, right? Phones also get lost. Batteries die. For that reason, and we talked about these great apps and taking pictures of your important documents. Yes, do all that. But you also need to be sure to handwrite important numbers and important information in a notebook so that you have it at all times with you on your person. And finally, when you book with us, when you book with other agents, you should get a final, very detailed travel itinerary. It's got all your emergency numbers, protocols, procedures, what's going on, who's going to meet you. You have to absolutely print a copy of this itinerary and have it with you at all times. It is imperative. So make sure you do that. That's the fourth big one. Number five. Uh- Always bring a fleece, even in warm climates. You know, it's it's something like a rain jacket to me. I also add that fleece in that you never know what's going to come. It might rain four straight days and every last piece of clothing is, is sopping wet. And if you can plop that fleece on, it's going to just it's going to keep you warm and comfortable out there. And even on the, you know coming and going on the airplanes. Airplanes get notoriously cold, oh, right? Yeah. So even if you're headed to the tropics and it's a long flight to get there, an overnight flight, let's say, you may want that fleece on the plane. Um, this is another one. Uh, it pertains to how you pack, but <clears throat> I might not bring my rain jacket, let's say, in my carry-on. Okay, there's just not space for it. They can be a little bulky. But in my checked bag, it is at the top of the bag. I can't tell you many times I've, you know, touched down, you're in the Yucatan, you're in Belize, you're somewhere in Central America, wherever, and it's just pouring rain. And now you've got to make that transfer with your bag, you know, out to a boat dock and get in the ponga that'll transfer you down. So I don't want to have to unpack everything I have in my checked luggage in a torrential downpour. I want to quickly open that zipper, grab my raincoat, pull it out, put it at the top of the pile in your checked bag. Really important. Um, Number seven, this is a big one. Uh, I'd always have some small bills uh, for, you know, 
tipping uh, when traveling ab- abroad. Um, yeah. Be sure all these bills are in mint condition. To, uh, really, depending on the destination you're at, they won't accept bills that are even just old, even yeah. if they are fresh looking. They they need to be of a certain date. They need to be crisp. And and they, if there's writing on them, if they're stamped, if they're torn, a lot of times they're not accepted in foreign countries. I never realized this till I started traveling to some of these far off places where you hand them a twenty or a fifty or a hundred, and if that bill's damaged or out of date or there's any markings on it, they won't take it. They can't use it. Can't yep. use it. It's no good. Uh, and speaking of cash, here's another really important tip: always remember that cash is king around the world. You always want to go with uh, the set you know, tips that you're planning on leaving and whatever incidentals you need to cover. That'll be in your pre-trip information. What I'll often do, so let's say I'm going somewhere where I've got my guide tip and I've got my staff tip. I will literally kind of approximate what this is going to be. I'll put it in an envelope before I leave home, the cash amount. I'll seal it, and on one I'll write guide tips, and the other I'll write staff tips. And then at the end of the week, when you're going to collect these or handing them to the lodge manager, you just grab it out of your, your bag and you, you're done. You're not worried about counting cash and trying to figure this out. You know you've got it. It's been put aside. But I always, always, always bring extra cash, my emergency stash with me when I'm leaving the country. You know, ATMs can be hard to find, even if, like, we've talked about Cuba. You know, if you use an ATM card in Cuba, A, it probably won't work. B, if it does work, it's going to give you Cuban pesos at an insanely stupid government rate. It's like the biggest ripoff in the world. Don't count on ATMs. Just bring that extra stash of cash, whether it's an extra 500 bucks, an extra 1000 bucks. Have it with you for emergencies. It's harmless. You know, you take it. It's hidden in your gear. Uh, when you get home, if you haven't used it, you know, just put it right back in the bank or right back in your safe and you're good to go. But uh, cash is king. Bring extra. Um, credit cards don't work in a lot of these places. If they do work, oftentimes there's a three, four, five percent uh, service charge they tack on to it. Um, traveler's checks, this is not 1984. They don't work anymore. Telly Savalas is dead. Traveler's checks do not work. Cash is king. Uh, so that's a big one there. Uh, the next one, number nine. Uh, setting up and uh, kind of rigging as much of your tackle as possible, uh, like backing and then fly lines to your backing leaders before you arrive at your destination. That way you are ready to rock and roll. Now, to bear, you know, it really varies on maybe your ability to tie a specific knot for a fish or whatever it may be, but get all the way up to that point where you felt really comfortable and then leave it there. Um, don't show up with a fresh roll of backing and a fly line still on a spool and expect for them to serve you first. You're probably going to be now last in line because they want to get everyone else out of the way. So do as much as you can ahead of time. And whether you do it yourself or you utilize that local specialty retail shop in your community, um, try to get that stuff set up ahead of time. Um, Number 10, always use a packing list, whether it's a packing list that yellow dog provides or another service agent provides, or it's something you've just accumulated over you know many many trips uh have a list and refer to it at all times if you don't i promise you throughout the course of your trip you'll be like oh god i can't believe i forgot that (laughs) packing lists are king i swear by them i love them i'm constantly updating them after every trip i make notes on them on what i needed other things updates packing lists are crucial uh number 11 this is a big one out we see this a lot yeah, uh, check to make sure that your travel documents are up to date and you have everything with you. Don't wait until you arrive at the airport to check. 
be sure to always pack photocopies of their itinerary, passport, phone numbers, and that sort of thing. So, yeah, yeah uh, the, the very obvious one is your passport. D just check in on that thing. Remember when your expiration date is right after you book that trip so you can get on top of that. That does not happen overnight easily. No way. And we see this dozens of times a year, literally dozens of times a year. People call us up like, you know, I'm leaving in two weeks to the Bahamas and I just realized my passport's expired. And it's like, well, I, it's a problem. I mean, you need to stay on top of this. Check it way ahead of time. When you book your trip for 12 months down the road, grab your passport and say, am I still going to be valid? Oftentimes they want six months of validity remaining to let you into a country. So you have to stay on top of the stuff. Dealing with a passport and other important documents last minute rarely works out in your favor. So get out in front of this and stay on top of it. Um, next one, it, it, we've talked about this a number of times, bring plenty of snacks when traveling. It sounds like all we do is just eat food, right? But <laughs> it's important whether you're on the plane, when you're on the boat in the afternoon. A lot of times, you know, with these lodges uh, in foreign destinations, the breakfasts are really good. The dinners are sensational. Boat lunches can vary. Sometimes they're okay. Sometimes they're not great. I always supplement it with like bags of beef jerky and some energy bars and things like that. Bring that with you. It's nice to have it. It goes down, never comes back. Even if you don't eat it all or you don't want it, you leave it behind for the guides. They appreciate it, but bring plenty of snacks when traveling. Um, number 13. Uh, when traveling with other people, talk about the items that can be shared amongst the group. Whether that's spare fly lines, fly tying gear, backup rods, and reels. Again, like this comes down to what if, you know, uh, Fred's bag got lost and you needed to help him out or whatever it may be. Just being aware of what the group has and uh, being flexible to make sure everyone's having a great time. Yeah, obviously applicable if you're traveling with a group of four anglers. Even if there's just two of you, talk. Be like, okay, um, do you have a couple extra fly lines? Great. You've got that covered. I'm going to bring an extra nine and 10 weight. I've got that covered. And that way you guys can kind of consolidate efforts and cut down on the overall amount of stuff that you need, but communicate, see what you can uh, kind of cross over on as far as extra gear goes. It'll cut the weight, cut the amount of stuff that you're bringing down when you uh, share that information among, whether it's your fishing partner or a larger group of guys for sure. Um, Next one is uh, spend an appropriate amount of time packing your bags. And I'm super guilty of this, right? Me too. I'm actually, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm leaving tomorrow on a trip and I, I have stuff kind of scattered all over. I should have had my bags packed like a week ago. Now, granted, I do this a lot and I'm, I'm pretty good at it. And I, of course, I swear by my list, but don't be the person that does it the night before. You know, it's like, do, don't do as I I do do as I say, I guess on this one, I don't know, but, but spend some time, you know, pack, unpack, cut stuff back in half, lay everything out. Um, you know, allow yourself time to source things that you find you're short on, because as we know right now, ordering stuff, getting it from local shop, it can take a little bit of time. So try not to be the last second packer. Um, and, and of course that leads into the layout, everything run through your packing list and gear checklist. Uh, Remember what we talked about, that goal of laying everything back out and then trying to cut it in half. That's really good advice right there, and it'll help keep your weight and your size down. Um, you touched on this, number 16 uh, of our travel tips. Yeah, bringing a journal of sorts to take notes of what you forgot on your trip, and now you know what to bring next time. That's right. Very simple to notate the stuff like, oh my gosh, you know what would have been so awesome to bring 
now you're never going to forget it. Um, note the flies that worked well, maybe a, a unique leader design, um, some interesting you know, travel hack that you discovered along the way, uh, contacts, uh, the new friends you made on your trip, great restaurant or bars to remember, things you've learned. Yeah, that's super good information. And you're like, oh, I got to remember this. It's like, you're not going to remember it. Write it down. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I literally do that 20 times a day. I'm like, oh, I have to remind myself of this. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. it gets crowded out. So write it down. That travel journal, that notebook. I take it in the boat with me every day. Mm -hmm. When my partner's up on the bow and I'm just like, oh, you know, I'm kind of thinking about something. I pull it out and I start writing notes down. Super invaluable. Um, next big one. We haven't talked much about this, but I will tell you this is super crucial in traveling the world. Travel insurance. It is worth purchasing for big ticket trips that are largely non-refundable. Protect your trip investment. Do your homework on travel insurance. We see hundreds and hundreds of instances a year where people cancel their trips at the last minute. You know, it, and we always have the initial conversation about it. We're like, well, we recommend travel insurance. Oh, that, listen, there's nothing that's keeping me from going on this trip. I'm going 100%. Well, not necessarily, you know, your, your kid breaks his ankle in little league the night before you're leaving. And all of a sudden you can't leave. Your company is now getting acquired and your, your boss says, no, you have to be here. You can't go on this trip. There are dozens and dozens of common reasons we see all the time that disrupt and prevent people from going on their trips. Do your homework on travel insurance. Uh, you, you'll spend the money. You probably won't use it. The money will go away. But I will tell you right now, if you have invested a lot in the trip and in the cost of the airline tickets and everything else, and you can't go last second, if you have bought a trip insurance policy, it will be the best investment you've ever made. So travel insurance is key. It's well worth doing. And finally, this is a big one. The last pro tip we're going to leave you with, number 18. <laughs> uh, make sure that after your last trip, you leave your gear organized, clean, and in working order. Um, yeah, pull those rods, reels, everything out. Give them a fresh rinse. Clean them up to be stored away for your next use. That way... You're not, again, the, starting to pack your stuff, and it's like, oh, God, I need a new reel or yeah. whatever it is. My fly it's, line's completely cracked and worthless. I, I yeah. could have totally avoided that. Yeah. So do a little post-trip maintenance and, and take care of what needs to be serviced then and there. Don't wait until the night before your next trip. But all good advice. And, uh, God, we crammed a lot in here. I hope this is helpful for people, Alec. I think that's it. Hopefully everyone was paying attention. Uh, I'll, again, we have a lot of articles and write-ups that specifically talk about packing, smart traveling, key items. All of this is on the Yellow Dog website. So go check it out. And uh, any, any parting words for us? Any final words of wisdom to our listeners, Alec? Uh, yeah, just be patient when traveling. That's that's it. Uh, <laughs> so many people are in so many different moods, and there's a lot of uncontrollables out there. Uh, just as long as you're aware of what your your program is, you're good. Just stay calm and should have a successful trip. Remember why we're doing this. This is fun, yeah. right? <laughs> Don't get angry. Be kind. Be nice. Goes a long way these days, for sure. And that's it for this episode of Waypoints, the podcast that is 100% dedicated to travel, adventure, and exploration. If you have yet to listen to other episodes of Waypoints, then we invite you to dive into the dozens of shows in the archives, all segments that relate to traveling and fishing the world. Be sure to visit yellowdogflyfishing.com to plan and research your next fishing trip, sign up for newsletters and new podcasts, and stay up to date on the latest travel news news and developments. Join us for our next episode of Waypoints and remember, life is short and no one ever regretted a life of adventure. This has been another episode of Waypoints, the podcast of fly fishing travel and adventure angling. 
Waypoints is produced by Brian Gregson with music provided by the Steep Canyon Rangers. Visit yellowdogflyfishing.com for more destination profiles, travel news, and expert advice, and be sure to join us for our next episode. Thank you.